1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach to Coach Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. Today on the show, we have Madeleine Claire Weiss with Mind Over Matters. Welcome.
0: Hello. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Mind Over Matters. How are you serving folks?
0: So I help uh, busy professionals and entrepreneurs uh, find more hours in the day, energy, peace of mind, freedom and fulfillment, all those good things, um, maintaining their high performance, because people are worried that if they um, relax a bit, they'll lose the whole thing. So it's maintaining that high performance without burning out.
1: Now, why do you think that that is kind of a common thread amongst high achievers, that everything is precarious? And that if they just don't, If they take their foot off the gas, then everything could tumble down.
0: I think that's because the kinds of people that I work with are headed to places they may have never been before, which is wonderful because they're so aspiring and wanting so much to build and create. But because they've never been there before, and in some of their cases, no one has ever been there before in the kinds of things that they're building, there's um, so much uncertainty about what the outcomes will be and whether they would be able to manage them or not.
1: But um, if, if they look at their life trajectory though, they have a history of success and a history of achieving but they still have doubt that the next thing might be the one that, uh, you know, makes all the dominoes fall down?
0: Yes, because they have never been there before. You know, everybody talks so much about the imposter syndrome. And I have, um, by the way, on my website, I have my blogs there, and there's one on the imposter syndrome. And I quoted um, an author made a really good point which is that when you're going someplace you've never been before if you're not at least a little bit nervous we would worry about you more because what kind of arrogance would it take to think that you could handle perfectly something you've never handled before so it's so normal and that's um, a large piece of what I try to convey to people. And in fact, there's this wonderful Yale study that says that um, learning and creating takes place optimally when we are 70% outside of our comfort zone. So people are waiting around till they feel comfortable. And that's like, don't do that.
1: So then all you need to do is feel 30% certain? No, well,
0: there's... What what happens is that when we are in our comfort zone, the brain thinks everything's fine and all the learning and problem solving centers turn off. So there's what what we need to do is embrace that discomfort rather than shy away from it.
1: So then the discomfort is almost kind of a good sign. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes, because if we're not uncomfortable, there's a really good chance nothing is happening.
1: So when you have that discomfort, you kind of have to lean into it and um, just trust, trust the kind of the process and trust your previous history of success.
0: Yeah, I heard it said the other day, and I love this. We get to choose our choices, but not their outcomes.
1: Right. And and the outcomes, I think we a lot of times we focus so much on the outcomes, we forget the importance of the process. And if you trust the process, the outcomes are going to come or they're not. But the process, if you have a good one, then you should be okay.
0: Well, I always like to come as close as I can myself to doing right things right in the process so that when, if things don't work out, it's not because I didn't do my best. And that just relieves us of a lot of the pain that people feel when things don't work out the way they wanted them to. They kind of beat themselves up about that. But if we, as you say, trust in the process and come as close as we can to doing right things, right, we're spared all of that pain and suffering.
1: And I would imagine the stress that comes along with this, because if you really work on your process and get that tight and clean and, and yep. right, mm-hmm. then that takes a lot of the pressure off because, you know, look, I'm just working the process. And then the outcome, I can, if, if, I, if I can let go of the outcome a little bit and just trust the process and work on getting as good of a process as possible, I would imagine stress melts away.
0: Yes. One of my mentors taught me years ago, I was working in a large prestigious institution and everybody was acting nuts and I went to him, I was in tears about how crazy it all felt and he said to me, just do good work, that's your best friend and your best protection. Just do good work. And I live by that. And I share that with all of my clients, that that's your best friend and your best protection, just doing and knowing that you did good work.
1: Now, is this the subject matter of kind of your work and your books and and kind of what you preach is kind of helping folks create that process that's going to serve them?
0: And... I call it uh, sometimes an environmental fitness reboot. It is much easier to be doing good work and doing right things right and appreciating it and thriving in it at all when it is aligned with who we really are, not who someone else said we should be or who we may have even thought we should be throughout our lives, but that true essence of what it is that we really hold dear and has meaning for us, the closer we can come to closing the gap between who we are and the environments in which we work and live, uh, the more we thrive and flourish in work and life. So that's the essence of my book, if you were referring to that, which is getting to great
1: Right, I was referring to the book and your work in coaching and training. Yeah. Yeah, that, that it, it it to me it centers around kind of um creating more congruence between the yes. li- the life you would like to lead and that you were meant to lead and maybe the life you're leading now and maybe if you get to the heart and peel back some layers that maybe you think you're on a path that you were meant to do but maybe it, m- it was someone else's path, <laughs> you know. It Absolutely. might Absolutely. <laughs> And, and that's where a lot of the stress and discomfort comes in is that you aren't aligned yeah. with your true north and the quicker you can identify what that is and put processes in place to align yourself and kind of maximize your talents and your mission, then life becomes a lot easier and a lot less stressful.
0: Right on. Perfect. Yep.
1: Now, um, what's your backstory? How did you kind of um, uh, orchestrate your life to be in this direction to help so many folks?
0: So, um, when I was 15 years old, my father, who was 42 years old, died suddenly of what the doctors called a cerebral hemorrhage. My mother said that he died of work stress. I started out my career, oddly enough, in a clinical chemistry laboratory. I worked for the USDA biological control lab and Drexel university's cardiac catheter lab. So I was really heavy into laboratory science and all that sort of thing. And yet there was always this pull toward the people. So one foot in front of the other over the trajectory of my life, I got closer and closer to working uh, directly with the people. And now it's um, no surprise, really, that I always say if I can help one little boy or girls, mommy or daddy or anybody at all, for that matter, live a happier, healthier, productive life, I feel like I'm doing what I was put here to do. So
1: So now um, your work is centered around writing and um, training and coaching? Yes. Yes. Now, how did you make the transition from kind of an academic background working in labs and things like that yeah. to working with individual leaders?
0: I have to think about that for a minute, Lee. So I, I'm trying to think when I made the transition from the uh, clinical setting to the mental health setting. At some point, I went back to school and got an MSW and found myself as the administrative director and treasurer of a group mental health center. And then because I became an administrator, I realized I really ought to learn something about this. So then I went back to business school and got an MBA and it was just, you know, I've um, lived long enough by now To have just kind of followed, I feel like if you get quiet enough inside, your truth of your direction kind of bubbles up and you can actually hear it and honor it. And that's kind of what I've done. Just one thing after another pivoting, they call it now. I didn't know I was pivoting.
1: (laughs) You were pivoting before it was cool. Uh,
0: yeah, before it was that Yeah, he had no idea I was pivoting. I was just feeling like um, there, there was another door to go through. And I love, love, love to learn. I'm a learning junkie. So going back to school was always fun for me.
1: Now, um, how in your work, are you kind of delineating between maybe the therapy background, the science Mm. therapy background, to the coaching background, and also to the training background? Because I think there's some overlap between all of them, but there are some distinctions.
0: Right. So I'm now a board-certified executive coach, and the reason I made that pivot from um, psychotherapist to – executive coach, executive career and life coach, was because of the future positive action orientation of it. Uh, So now at the end of every session, there are action steps. And in therapy, you never did that. I was very classically trained. But so you never get that close to talking with people about what they're going to do. And now in my work, it's very much about what they're going to do because William James said that action doesn't guarantee happiness, but without action, there is no happiness. So I have become very action oriented in my work with people, what I tell them during our introductory session, because they typically have the question that you just asked Lee. So what I tell them is in terms of peeling the onion, you know, going back and looking at the family history and all that kind of stuff, um, only as much as is necessary to get the job done. And the job is not in your past. It's your present and your future so if there's something that we can learn to facilitate your movement forward and your flourishing and your present and your future great otherwise it has no bearing did that answer
1: yeah i i i um i definitely see the distinction there and then your book uh like you said getting to great five-step strategy for work and life this is action steps, right? This is not um, theoretical. Uh, This is stuff that has uh, kind of a strategy and and steps I can take to, uh, like you said, create that action and momentum in my life.
0: Well, what happened was my clients were doing so extraordinarily well, and they were all so different from each other. And my education and experience is also so diverse that I asked myself about a year or so ago, what is it that's working here? What are these people doing? What do they all have in common that's getting them from here to there? And I, so I kind of reverse engineered this process, which, imagine my delight, fit into the acronym GREAT. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of thrilled <sighs> by that. But there, there is a process that people go through that has those
1: steps. So your background, um, I guess this is just maybe how it was meant to be, but your background enabled you to use some sort of a scientific method to look backwards and assess and see w- what is the commonality of the success. And from that, you were able to then distill it down to the five steps.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good at Synthesizing stuff. They told me I when I first started training. They said, "Where did you learn to f- formulate?" And I said, "What's that?" So there was there was some sort of ability to see something that seems to work well in the work that I do. So
1: now, can you share what those five steps what G R E A T stands for?
0: Sure. So. Grounding, so is G, G for grounding. When people come to me, they don't typically believe that they can really have a great life. Mostly they're just in pain and they want the pain to stop. So the G is for grounding in this belief that they have everything they need inside of them to have a really great life and that it is very, very possible for them to get there. So that's the G. The first line of the book is a a great life depends on a great fit between who we are and the environments in which we work and live. So to have that fit between who we are and the environments, we need to recognize who we are again not who someone else said we should be or who we may have thought we should be, but who we truly are in our nature and our interests and our values and aspirations and so on. So the R is for recognizing that once people have a better sense of what really matters to them under their belt, they go exploring in the external environments looking for what is the right fit. So the E is for exploring. So they um, talk to their present bosses about maybe moving to a different part of their work world, or they look at opportunities outside, sometimes opportunities that they didn't even know existed. Everything opens up now and, or sometimes It was an opportunity they always dreamed about, but they thought, no, it's not going to happen for me. So the exploring phase has no limits to it. And then we talked about A for action. So the A is what I mentioned to you before. We can't stay in the land of dreaming about the things we wish were. Um, I think the word everybody uses now is manifest. We have to manifest manifest. So we have to take action on those. And then finally, the T is um, for tackling that normal, natural, inherent, predictable, expectable resistance to change that we humans enact when we're trying to go someplace, as I said at the beginning, that we may have never been before. So uh, the brain is really, really good at keeping us safe. Now, and it takes a little more energy and effort for us to go outside of that comfort zone where all the goodies are waiting for us. So
1: now I know that that spells the word great was the um, is tackling last because even after you've decided to take action, there's still going to be resistance or I'm
0: actually glad that you asked that question because one of the first things I learned very early on in my education was something called prediction and control. So I will very often talk with people on the front end of our work together about when the resistance hits, what's it going to look like for you? So, it may not come right away but we do talk about it early on so that when it happens they can have a stance of oh yeah that so it kind of disempowers the hold on us because it's like oh yeah that
1: it's kind of like an insurance policy you're you're kind of letting them know ahead of time this is going to happen just be ready for it
0: Ab- yes definitely definitely
1: because a lot of people have the same kind of saboteurs that they treat as if this is the first time they've ever seen them, even though they might be kind of a recurring theme in their life.
0: Right. Yes.
1: Now, okay, I'm sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say a lot of people have different ideas on what to do about the saboteur. I just want to throw in there that what we resist persists. And get stronger. Therefore, I typically recommend making friends with it. It's like that um, children's book where the wild things are and the monster comes out from under the bed and it's not so hairy and scary anymore. Mm -hmm. So I tend to uh, recommend getting to know the saboteur what's troubling the saboteur that makes it act like that. And maybe even to address that part of ourselves that I got this now, trust me, take my hand and come with me. I got this now.
1: Now in your work, do you work with a certain type of leaders? Uh, Does this work better? Like kind of in like your background, academic, scientific? um, uh, Actually, my, um, the clients that I'm
0: working with have really morphed over time. And I am really intrigued by it. I have a lot of um, young millennial types who are taking on the world. I have a 25 year old super connector in who was a uh, Fulbright scholar who's working in renewable energy already around the world. I have people um, building companies in Colombia, in Costa Rica, and they're all just balls on fire now. And I didn't, I'm not sure what the draw is, but that seems to be who feels like they want to work with me and we're really doing well and having fun.
1: Now, now, congratulations on that. But um, Yeah, thank you. One reason we do this show um, is to help other coaches learn from each other. Uh, mm. Do you mind sharing with our listeners, like, how you got your last client? Like, how did the last client that worked working with you, how did they come about?
0: Okay, so most of my clients come through Psychology Today, which... I think you you have to have certain licensing to be able to be on that. I get a lot of um, LinkedIn ProFinder. So if your listeners don't know about the ProFinder, I would highly recommend looking into that. Um, I have taken three extremely high-end marketing courses. And honestly, I don't think that's where my clients are coming From. I did uh, last hour just talk with a woman I met in a networking group, and she was wanting to know if I could coach her clients who seem um, like sometimes she has trouble getting the people who come to her for services, she's a business development coach. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't do what she wants them to do. And then she goes into a snit about that. And I offered her the option actually to work behind her and lay hands on all of her clients through her while developing her at the same time. So that's uh, quite possibly going to happen. And so that happened through a, networking group. I have lots of coaching colleagues who I'm watching develop their own businesses over time. And there are so many ways to go about how you find your ideal client. And they're all doing something different. So some of them are doing podcasts. A lot of them are writing books. Um, People are doing online courses So I guess my central message is, there is no right way to do this. And the right one is probably the one, it's kind of what they say about physical exercise. The right thing to do is the one that suits you well enough that you might actually do it.
1: Good stuff. And that aligns with your philosophy of finding that right kind of true north. And then yes, when it's indeed. all aligned, then yeah. er, life becomes easy or easier. Yeah. 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 Well, congratulations on all the success. If there's someone out there that wants to learn more about your books or your practice and uh, wants to get a hold of you, is there a website that you can share?
0: Yeah. Let me mention, I recently uh, launched an online course that's at superpeer.com. However... Everything is on my website. So if you go to MadelineWeiss.com, all my social media links are there. There's a, um, there are buttons for the book and the online course. And um, there's also a how to reach me and I would be delighted to hear from any and all of you.
1: And that's M-A-D-E-L-A-I-N-E-W-E-I-S-S dot com. Madeline, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you. Thank
0: you, Lee. All
1: right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.